The Nerd and Me Podcast presents The Week in Geek with your anchors, Alan and Jonathan, with the five-day forecast, The Weather Wizard, and Casey Jones on Sports. Good evening, this is Alan, and welcome to The Week in Geek. Jonathan, what happened today? Well, we got some very sad news to report. Mr. Stan the Manly, creator of hundreds of characters in the Marvel and DC universe, has passed away. Yeah. He, he was, uh, let's see, 95, was it? Right. And this comes a little less than a year after his wife passed. His wife passed last December. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had a crazy, crazy year. And I think we're not shocked by it, but we were hoping we'd get a few more years with him. Sure. But yeah, he had a rough year with people taking advantage of him, taking over his Twitter, taking over his all his social media, people trying to steal from him. Yeah, maybe I think, and, and I think missing his wife, I mean, they were married for 69 years, and it's very rare when, when people have been married that long and one of, one of the spouses dies that the other one lasts much longer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very, very sad news. You know, when when I heard about it, I was at work, and you know, someone mentioned, "Hey, is it true that Stan Lee died?" And I was like, "What?" So obviously, I I looked at my uh, Apple Watch because I know if he did, you would have definitely texted me about it. And I'm reading the watch, and I said, "Holy crap!" And I was stunned. I was not expect. I mean. Like you said, he was getting up there, but it's, you know, I, I guess you don't think any day it's going to happen. And then when it does, it's, well, it's pretty shocking, you know. Right. And I, th- I think what made it difficult is, you know, it's not like he got sick and was in the hospital for a week and then he passed. It's, you know, last thing we heard. I mean, I follow him on Twitter and stuff like that. And yeah, you can definitely tell the change between what's being said on Twitter. He wasn't running, running his Twitter. Although there was a point where we thought he was when it got really weird. And I don't know if he was. Maybe he was. Maybe take it over. But I can't remember when I saw it. And I know I kind of didn't believe it at first. Because I, you know, I, it's kind of like Facebook posts and stuff like that. When people post things, I always look it up. If it sounds too good to be true or too weird of a story, I'll look it up on Snopes.com or something. Okay. But I wanted to, you know, I saw it. I can't remember what website I saw it on. And I went to CNN. And they didn't have it. So I went to Reuters. Mm-hmm. which I find to be the most reliable news site. And there it was. And then I just, I sent it to you. What was your first, I guess, exposure? No, not exposure. Your, your memory of Stanley, you know, like what was the first time you can remember Stanley, you know, uh, as a person in your life? Well, the thing is, like you always knew, even as a little kid, Spider-Man, you knew, you knew who Spider-Man was. Maybe you know his stories, you know his history, but you could recognize him as an iconic character. But we've talked about it many times. I, you know, I grew up on the Super Friends. And, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know about Marvel DC. I just figured superheroes are superheroes. After the Super Friends, around 1980-ish, 81-ish, like there was always Spider-Man cartoons and things like that. But I think it really began like knowing who Stan Lee was and, and what he did, how he helped create Spider-Man. Really started with Spider-Man and his amazing friends because he would intro and narrate. He would he would do the episodes, and I think that's when I really first began to know who Stanley was. And and like soon, like three three years after Spider-Man's Amazing Friends started collecting comic books, and of course at that point you you definitely learned very quickly who Stanley was. 
Yeah, yeah, that was my exact same um, first thing of Stan Lee was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Because I think um, when the cartoon first came out, there were no narrations up until, I think, the second season. And that's when he started giving these little intros to the shows. And so that was my, like, just like you, my first time... I guess hearing his voice and you know, you'd always see on the comic books Stanley presents. Right. And uh, he always made that correlation that Stanley was the creator of all these cool things. But uh, yeah. And then from there on out, you, you know, I guess you and I both kind of figure out who Stanley was and what he meant to the Marvel universe. I mean, and just comic books in general. Well, if you remember the, the old comics, they used to have a page in there that was, you know, it'd be a checklist of what's coming out either that week or the next week. And then there'd be something called, Stan's Soapbox, which is yeah. just like an editorial you would write for each month's com- worth of comic books. Maybe it was weekly, I'm not sure. So you really got to know Stan and his kind of sense of humor and, and the type of person he was just by reading Stan's Soapbox. He would always read off, lead off with a no prize, which for life, it took me so long to understand what a no prize was. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, no prize was, was something that if you point out a mistake, but you could give a reason why it wasn't really a mistake. Stan would, you know, talk about it in his soapbox, and he awarded no prize. And uh, when the no prize was just an envelope with nothing in it, but it was stamped on the front, like your official no prize is inside. So it's kind of like getting a prize without a no prize. And then the envelope became the actual, like people would like hold on to the envelope and cherish the envelope. And um, yeah, so I think that helped give us a lot of insight to Stanley was because he wasn't. I don't think he was writing or drawing. I don't need to draw, but I don't think he was writing. I think it was more like a editor-in-chief emeritus or something like that mm-hmm. at that point in the mid-'80s. Yeah. Where he was attributed, of course, with creation of Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and Incredible Hulk. But it's I, th- I don't know that people understand that besides his creations, creating those things, it's he created the, the worlds. He created their mythologies. It, it's kind of an awe-inspiring thing when you think about what what came out of this man's head, along with Steve Deco and and Kirby. Jack Kirby and a few other creators that started it with. But, you know, to think that, you know, when you think the Marvel Universe, you think it's Stan Lee's Marvel Universe. The man literally created a universe, and that's amazing if you think about it. Yeah, and how he also, you know, I love his interviews on his love for Marvel, and uh, he's just... He's such a fun guy to watch in interviews. He's so in love with himself. It's yeah. it's it's almost hilarious. But um, yeah, he would always promote Marvel, and you know, he never heard a bad thing out of his mouth. And you know, then then you'd see him in the cameos. I think what well, was his first cameo? Uh, Spider Man with Tobey Maguire for the comic book in a movie. Yeah, I think his very first cameo was an Incredible Hulk TV movie. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, like back in 1989. I think it's mm-hmm. the one with either Thor or Daredevil. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember those, but they were really, really bad versions. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk. That was yeah. his first one. And then I, I guess he wasn't in Blade, right? <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I, I, would, well, I would say Toby no was his first comic book. No, X-Men. X-Men came out before Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't think he was in that one either. Oh, no, he no, was. He was, he, he was, he was in the X-Men the movie. Beach. Yeah. Selling ice cream or something or hot dogs. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, on the beach. Yeah. So, so that might have been his first one. Do you have a favorite cameo? Well, we did do top three cameras. I liked when he was with the Watchers because I liked kind of like in Guardians 2, I believe it was. Because mm. that kind of confirms the theory that he's a Watcher. Right. 
Um, I like that one. I like Tony Stank, which was Sigur <laughs> And his Spider-Man Homecoming one was funny, too. Uh, like, Don't come down there. The library? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, he's, uh, no that was amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. When he's hanging out the window with Spider-Man, Tom Holland Spider-Man webs the guy to the car. He tells uh-huh. break to the car. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that scene? No. <laughs> you don't? No, I don't. With Stan Lee? What does he say? He sticks his head out of his window and he's, he starts yelling at Spider-Man, don't make me come down there because the alarm's going off and the guy's like, I'm not, this is my own car. Oh. And Spider-Man's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then all the people start coming out and like, hey, that's his car. Why don't you leave the guy alone? <laughs> and then the lady across the alley sticks her head out the window and Stanley starts talking to her. Oh, that's I, right. I remember that part. There you go. Yeah, I think I've only seen Homecoming once. Wow, I love that movie. Yeah. I think my favorite cameo is actually not a comic book film. It was his part in Mallrats. Oh, yeah. Kevin Smith yeah. movie. His little talk with Brody, I think the guy's name is, it's so freaking touching because he's talking about, hey, look at those two. You know, it looks like they're in love. And he talks about that, that one girl that, that got away from him. It's such a touching moment. And then you find out that his buddy paid him to, to make up that story because it was like a comic book storyline. He's like, yeah, I gave him that story about the, the vulture or something like that. But uh, it's, it's, it's probably his biggest, longest speaking part in a movie, I guess, as a cameo. Okay. Well, he was, he was Stan Lee. I guess it wasn't really playing anyone else but himself. Yeah, he wasn't acting. He was just being yeah. himself. Now, have you met Stan Lee? I never met him. I feel like I saw him at a con. And I feel like I, was, I must have been with you, I think. Didn't we see him walking like across the con, but he was like, surrounded by people? Um, like he was walking to an autograph booth or something? Could be. I, I did meet him in uh, Southern California. Uh, it was Wizard LA. And holy smokes, there was a line to get in, a line to get a ticket, and then a line to see him. <laughs> it was a long line but uh when you when you meet stanley in person he's just like as if he's like your grandpa you know and sweet guy and i had him sign some things did he talk to you yeah sweet guy he signed uh, a stanley book and uh my stanley bust oh that's cool yeah actually signed the bust itself yeah underneath the the base of the bust oh nice yeah very nice. Worth it. Totally worth it. It was the only reason why I went down there was to meet him. Well, we spent the whole day doing that, right? <laughs> Basically. It takes like two hours to get in, two hours to line up for a ticket to see him, and then like another two hours just to, just to meet him. I'm pretty sure it had to be a, a Wizard World East or something because I remember barely being able to see him, and they kept him in this tent. I'm like, oh my God, Stanley's in that tented area where you go and they get autographs and... <laughs> I just like for some reason that was good enough for me, and I do have. I, t- I told the story on one of our shows about how I just, just I don't know for whatever reason I, I put in an entry to a to some kind of sweepstakes, and I didn't win the grand prize, but there was like a hundred second or third prizes, and they were signed video games by Brian Singer and Stan Lee. It was right before or right after X Men One came out. The game's a PlayStation game. It's called X Men Mutant Academy. And they signed on the plastic, so I couldn't even open it <laughs> to play the game, <laughs> which I was fine with. And I totally forgot I owned that until a few years ago. My nephew was in my mom's basement, and it's like, Uncle John, what's this? And I'm like, oh, it's, uh, 
a video game. And I'm like, I don't look at it. I'm like, well, why is it an open? And I'm like, <laughs> and I look close. I'm like, oh my god, that's right. This is the Stanley Bryan Singer one. And <laughs> and the funny thing is, I heard that news today. I'm like, oh, I should probably go get that. I, I don't know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I would have kept better care of it after I found it the second time. You know what's cool? Remember now, those so. Marvel trading cards? Mm-hmm. Series 1, and Stanley actually had a card, and it's pretty cool because it's kind of like an amalgamation of, of all of his characters built into Stanley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty that Series cool. 1? Yeah, Series 1. I think I have that card somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> but the guy was just uh, so prolific, and... Uh, you know, we think we they only talk about the heroes he created, but I'm just looking at the Spider-Man list. You forget he he created, you know, like Gwen Stacy, Aunt May, J. Jonah Jameson, and just all these iconic people. Yeah. And so he wrote some of the best stories, too, um, those early stories. And the thing is, he revolutionized comic books because he's the first one that kind of gave superheroes problems, you know. Oh, that's, yeah. And that's why in the 60s people, that's why Marvel took off when he started writing like the Fantastic Four were probably you know, Peter Parker, you know, being the nerd, but also being Spider-Man, having this sense of responsibility or the thing, hate being, you know, looking like the thing and not being able to turn normal, things like that. And he, he really revolutionized comics and to the point where DC, if you read DC now, it's kind of almost like Marvel light, you know, where they... They focus a lot on the, on the people as opposed to just the fights and the powers and the villains, you know? Right. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of success with the Marvel movies, because they have a heart to I don't think other superhero movies really do. Yeah, they're a little bit probably a little more relatable than, you know, when I think of DC characters, they are very godlike. But yeah, Stan, Stan Lee, and he did this thing where I think between him and Kirby, they would... Like Stanley didn't really write word for word for word like what the what the panel should look like. It was more right. like a a collaboration between himself and Kirby. So you can see Kirby will draw something. Some sometimes Stanley would you know write whatever is going on in the panel. So that's why he said he was able to write so many books at the same time. I think yeah, he called he the, like, like a, a Marvel way of writing. Right, and he would just put like fight scene here. Like he wouldn't script it or anything like that. And yeah. He had these basic stories, and he would he would let the artist draw it, and he'd fill in the word balloons. I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was. That's what I mean. He was very prolific in those early days. He was writing like three or four books at once. Yeah. <laughs> when really good stories were coming out. <laughs> you know. I had this collection of Amazing Spider-Man. It was like a mini trade paperback of, oh gosh, I don't even know what the numbers they were, but it had like. Oh God, Mysterio! The, I think they're called the Enforcers, uh, like the, the, this mob guy, Fancy Dan, and whatever. And and then had even like a, a a story of Spidey and the Human Torch, and it was like ten stories in one trade paperback. And you know, I was a kid. I must read that thing like a thousand times, over and over again, over again. I mean, the guy was such a genius. Yeah, um, there's. I don't know that we're going to see another creator with that kind of output again in our lifetime. You know, I'm just the way that it's changed to be a creator. You know, you watch a TV show, one episode have like three writers on it and you watch a movie, there's like 10 writers on it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. It's different nowadays. Like nowadays when you read a comic book, you know, and I'll be honest, I haven't picked up like a brand new 
original thing in such a long time. But you got to think, amazing. What was that? Amazing Fantasy, right? Spider Man's first. Um, Spider Man Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was one issue, and you knew everything you needed to know about Spider Man in one issue. Yeah. And now yeah. they'll go about like three or four books before they get to the nitty gritty of who these characters are. Well, now it's just it's you know because they all want to. They all want to sell to the trade paperback. They want to have a story that can be collected into a trade paperback instead mm. of a trade paperback. So usually those are six issues, but now they're just so you'll have like a whole page with like one or two words on it, and then <laughs> like it's insane. If you read Amazing Spider-Man fifteen, you're it's like you're reading for a while. <laughs> yeah, but now you can get through somebody. You, yeah, you can get through some of these books so quick now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, <laughs> two words per page. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Man, I'm just but think about the villains he created. I mean, you talk about the Green Goblin, Mysterio, the Lizard, Sandman. Yeah. All, I, I, you know, people that are still villains that are still used today. I mean, what's the newest Spider-Man character uh, villain you can think of? Venom, maybe, and he was created 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, who's creating someone that is really part of the whole? Mythology of Spider-Man. It, it's and I'm not saying they're bad writers. I'm just saying it's not easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. an easy thing to do. Yeah, and um, just just the stuff that sprung out of this guy's mind, and the obviously the collaboration with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko was also just a phenomenal. Period. Yeah, for comics back then. Yeah. Well, John, it's the end of an era. Yeah, it's sad to see him go. You know, we lost Steve Ditko earlier this year. Jack Kirby died many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that I, I guess he's the last. I mean, he might not be the last officially, but he, I think he's the last big name from that from those '60s books. Hmm. Yeah, go. it could and, be. Uh, I mean, he was around a long time. Ninety-five. Nothing to sneeze at. Hey, do you uh, think Stanley saw uh, the or at least a version of the next Avengers movie? I'd like to think so, and I think I, well, I, I know he filmed his, he filmed his cameo. Yes, uh, yeah, for the next couple movies, I I think right. Maybe maybe just Captain Marvel in that one. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they go past Avengers four. Oh, I, I don't see. know. That I don't know. Well, you know what? They finished filming Homecoming of Spider Man two. They finished Principal Photography, but I don't know if he's got a cameo in that. Because didn't he announce he he was done doing cameos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that I remember reading someplace that Marvel pre-recorded like three or four cameos. Right. So, but yeah, I'd like to hope, I'd like to think that he did watch the last Avengers movie. I'd like to think that if he didn't watch it, at least he he knows how it ends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, There's a great video from back in the early 90s that Stanley did I think it was called How to Draw Comics oh. or something like that and it's Stanley Todd McFarlane and Rob Layfield oh I saw that and, and Stanley he's just so he's sarcastic he goes he goes, yeah, I guess superheroes don't need feet. Because <laughs> both those guys are well known for not being able to draw feet. It's like, how is he gonna, how is he gonna get around with all those pouches on him? He uh, says, uh, man, it must he's take a long time him. to put on their clothes. <laughs> like I can't, yeah, I'm like I can't imagine being those two guys and you got, you know, your heroes there, and and you're on this pedestal because everybody's loving your books and your art, and then he's just chopping you down. <laughs> <laughs> Because they draw a guy right in front of them, overkill. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it's just such, but they're so straight-faced, McFarlane and 
Like, I don't know. You don't know if Stan's purposely being mean or if he just doesn't understand how mean it comes off. <laughs> but it's just a great video. I'm going to put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's, a, that's a great one, actually. It's really awesome. Uh, yeah. And they're just getting owned. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's why I got to love them. Okay. Yeah. This first line is you can think and draw at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mr. Dan Lee. Uh, will not be forgotten. Definitely had a huge impact on us, right? Absolutely. We wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't from Mr. Stanley. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Nope. All right, well, I want to thank everybody for joining us for this special edition of The Week in Geek. And rest in peace, Mr. Stanley. Excelsior. Peace. <laughs>